0: This is the MLW Radio Network. Prep time with Sean Mooney is brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. And by Dollar Shave Club. Check out DollarShaveClub.com. They deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Primetime with Sean Mooney. I hope you all had a fantastic week and that you had a chance to catch the episode with Steve Lombardi, better known as the Brooklyn Brawler, and he is a great story. I hope you listen to it. Uh, In his uh, 30-plus years with the WWF, WWE, he started uh, knowing pretty much nothing from the beginning about the business, and eventually he became a wrestler, a superstar, who made uh, putting over other superstars an art form. Uh, He became a superstar himself, you know, as the Brooklyn Brawler and a few other gimmicks, Uh, a producer, and also an agent. And he certainly made the most out of every opportunity that was given to him. I really want to thank uh, Steve Lombardi for coming on. Uh, This week, another great episode. Our guest is someone who I had hoped to get, I tell you, from the very beginning, from when I started this podcast over a year ago, and getting him on now is even more awesome after his appearance in the recent HBO documentary, Andre the Giant, uh, no one knew Andre better than our guest this week, Tim White, uh, who also was a great referee with the WWF. Uh, we'll get Timmy in just a minute, but first, uh, if you're a business owner, you know just how hard hiring a new employee is. You've got to go with the multiple job sites, those stacks of resumes. Uh, it's a confusing review process, but today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ziprecruiter.com slash primetime. So why ZipRecruiter? Well, with their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invite them to apply to your job. Also, as applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And listen to this... ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the website within the first day. That's right, the first day. So with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com, once again, slash primetime. That's ZipRecruiter.com. Slash Primetime. ZipRecruiter.com slash P R I M E T I M E. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay. And we just got some great news today. Uh, we had many people suggest that we do a tea with uh, you know, featuring my episode with Psycho Sid. Uh remember uh there's a point in there where it got a little uh uh, you know, uh uncomfortable. Well, the are you laughing Sean T is out and it's on our website. All you have to do is go to MooneyTeas.com because you remember it uh, was a little testy there, but you know I, I got through it. That's what everybody remembers from that episode. Are you laughing, Sean? When I uh, when he was talking about psycho sit. So anyway, check out MooneyTeas.com with all the other great teas there. You can get the Sean Mooney who T-shirt and many others, so check it out. All righty, business taken care of, so let's get down to business with my guest, Tim White. Ding, ding, ding. I have never asked my guest this question, uh, but I do believe I already know the answer, and I'm sure he had no idea when he was first hired by the WWF WWE back in the mid-'80s. Just what an incredible ride he was in for. Not only... Was he very well known uh, as a referee during the golden era, as we always refer to it? He also looked after and was very close to one of the largest personalities in the history of professional wrestling, Andre the Giant. It is so great to welcome one of my favorites from my days with the WWF, Tim White. Timmy, how are you?
1: Well, Sean, uh, this is an absolute pleasure, and uh, I uh, I met you back in the day and yeah. when you came on board, and... You were a class act then. You were a class act now. I'm sure, and um, you know one thing that, uh, and I, and it's been a long ride for me. I've been there. And I've worked for the McMahon family now for um, 36 years, in and out. Wow. And yep. of course, my greatest days were traveling around the world with Andre. And you name a celebrity, a politician, a per- yeah. I met. Uh, my life's been incredible thanks to the McMahons and the in uh, the business. You know, yeah. it's it's really been a treat, and I've enjoyed every single second of it.
0: Yeah, and I can't imagine you ever ever had any idea. Uh, tell me about uh, growing up in in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Uh, what that was like, and then uh, I don't know if you were into professional wrestling or how that road ever, uh, you know, was laid before you. But uh, give us some idea of how it all started.
1: Well, Sean, and I don't want to bore your listeners with my life experiences, but um, I actually grew up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island.
0: Oh, Pawtucket! Yeah,
1: yeah, St. Rayfield Academy. And I played baseball. Then I went on to Roger Williams uh, College at the time, now a university. I played baseball there. That's where I met Ed Cohen, who was a legendary um, uh, person uh, in with uh, Vince when uh, he decided or bought the business from his dad. Yeah. And I uh, was going to take it worldwide, first nationwide, then worldwide. And Ed was one of his first employees uh, when they owned the Cape Cod Coliseum. Yeah. So it played ball together and graduated college. And uh, he knew I enjoyed uh, boxes and, uh, and the fights. So there was, there was a boxing card down at the Cape Cod Coliseum. He invited me down because we may remain friends our whole lives. And, wow. um, uh, I met, uh, Vince McMahon that night mm-hmm. and he asked me what I was doing. And, uh, my, my degree, um, from college was in administration of justice and law enforcement. And I had been appointed to the next FBI Academy. And, um, what happened was the economy was pretty bad at the time. And, um, um, uh, so the uh, the federal hiring was delayed for a year or two. So I met Vince. He goes, "Well, what are you uh, what are you gonna do?" And I said, "Well, I'm just working. My brother has a small company. I'll uh, yeah, I'll just hang on there and wait to hear." He goes, "Well, I'm buying the business, and we're going to be moving to tickets shortly. And if you like to come on board, what do you know about wrestling?" I said, "Absolutely no. No. nothing. Nothing." And he goes, name five wrestlers. And this is unbelievable. I said, well, no disrespect, uh, Vince, but uh, I came up with Bruno, no. Chief J, and uh, and Andre. And he okay. goes, that's it. You know, i will Vince. It. Yeah. I said, I don't, I don't want to offend you, but you know, I'd watch it on TV on Saturday mornings with my brothers, and we'd go out wrestling around the yard, and and. Then it was, it, I was was doing other things, but um, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I jumped on board, and I never looked back.
0: So you were going to be a, a federal officer? Was that the initial plan that you were yeah. to be a...
1: Yes, yes. I was the state of Rhode Island, both senators at the time, appointed yeah. me to go to the next FBI school. Uh-huh. And uh, that, then um, due to the economy or whatever was happening at that time, all schools and federal hiring were, were put down. So mm-hmm. that's how I just had this interim. And uh, to be honest with you, Sean, it's funny how uh, life works out, right? Yeah, yeah. I've had friends for years that were chiefs of police, that uh, worked for the FBI, Customs, Secret Service, and they say, you are the luckiest bastard in the world. <laughs> that- you know, we put on the TV, there you are in Australia, there you are in Japan, you're mm-hmm. just having a blast and seeing the world, and it's not all that we thought when we were younger, it was cracked up to be, so it's funny how life works out. Just when you think you got kicked in the you-know-what, yeah. the door opens, you meet someone, you take an opportunity, and you go for it, and it's been just terrific.
0: So what do you think it was about that Vince saw in you? That was it the connection to Ed, or or he just saw something in you that?
1: Uh, well, that, well, that Ed, Ed said, "Wait, wait until you meet uh, my friend Tim. Uh, he put himself through college, mm-hmm. and it was a private college. He worked third shift in Attleboro, Mass. Drove down, took courses. He was the captain of the team and our cleanup hitter. Cause I want to meet this kid,
2: huh.
1: and he huh. did, and we hit it off, and then." You know, I thought uh, I thought every everything. <clears throat> excuse me, I thought everything was going great until he said, "Name five wrestlers," and I couldn't yeah. do it. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. Funny, right? Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: Well, did you have uh, dreams of baseball? I mean, you got your uh, the Pawtucket socks down there. <laughs> no.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, I <laughs> you know what? When you're a kid, right? And, yeah. you, and and all of a sudden you're batting clean up and you're hitting while and all of a sudden you have these delusions and that's, that's the thing about professional wrestlers when they make it to the WWE now yeah. slash WWF. Once they get in the ring now, they are the cream of the crop. Yeah. So, uh, why I was in college and I'm thinking I'm all that. I went to a Red Sox, uh, Minnesota twins game. And, uh, You know I'm old now, so I'm watching Rod Carew warm up and just play catch, and right then I knew you're never going to be a major (laughs) leaguer.
0: So that one,
1: that way, I mean, they were just playing catch. Then you realize where you're at. But going back to the Pawtucket Red Sox, uh, they became a Triple A team when I played in high school for St. Rayfields. and um, uh, St. Ray's had the field for all their home games at McCoy Stadium, which is a major league field. So how great was that for us? So the Pawtucket Red Sox guys used to have to wait for us to finish our games before they could come out and do their back before their games because, of course, we played in the afternoon. And I had guys like Cecil Cooper, Mon Beniquez, um, uh, Rick Burleson, all those guys waiting back in the 70s, right? Yeah. Waiting, and, and I'll never forget Cecil Cooper. said, so, man, you you got a great swing, but um, when you're waiting on a pitch, I can see that little hit. So they were actually, because let's face it, these guys were in AAA ball, but they've only been on a college or high school themselves a couple of years. So you think they're big Big stars, of course, they all went on to be superstars. Jim Rice, said that team was loaded, loaded in Pawtucket. But they were the nicest guys because they were only three or four or five years older than we were. You know, so it was cool. It was a great experience. Sure was.
0: You know, and I get off the tracks on this podcast a lot, but since we we're there, I'm going to uh, tell this story to you real quick is that, you know, before I, I, I went to work for the WWF, uh, WWE, I worked with major league baseball productions. And I was this young, I mean, I was this kid who, uh, you know, grew up in Tucson, Arizona. We didn't even have a MLB team anywhere near close to us. So I, I go back and I have this great opportunity to work for this company. And I ended up working on a show called greats of the game. And one of the, uh, shows, uh, you know, I mean, we did, featured Ted Williams and, you know, they used to go to Florida for spring training. So we went down there and we'd always heard, you know, at this point, you know, Ted was, you know, he could be testy, you know, but to me, he was, he was like the real life John Wayne. And, uh, I just, I just remember we went down there and we went to the camp, you know, the Boston Red Sox camp and he would go down there and do, you know, help with some instructions like that. And, uh, we said, you know, we're, we're here to meet with, with Ted Williams for this show. And they said, well, he's out there by the lake. So we we uh, walk out there. There's this lake nearby there. And he's sitting there. Uh, no, we're standing there, standing there, rather. And there's this father with his son. And they're fishing offshore there. And Williams must have seen him. And he goes over and he's just standing there watching these people. This You know, they're fishing. They have no idea. That's Ted Williams probably 20 feet from him. And finally, he can't take it anymore. He sees the dad instructing this kid with the the rod. And he goes, you know, get, get, I can't take it. He goes, come here, come here. I got to show you something. So he's working because he was a big fisherman. So he sits there and he works with this kid, I swear, for a half an hour, teaching him how to cast. And the kid ends up catching a fish. And the kid, I'm sure didn't know who Ted Williams was, but but obviously the father was. He couldn't speak watching this happen. And at that moment in time, I was saying, my God, I am seeing John Wayne working with a kid here. And it turned out to be one of the most, uh, unbelievable weekends of my life, just sitting there and having him tell stories. And, uh, really it well, was, it, it's just something else to be, to be. And he was, and I was never really starstruck by these the ballplayers. I've met all kinds of these hall of famers, but I'll tell you what, Ted Williams was definitely it. There's no question about it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and he, uh, uh like in our business there's certain people that stand out yeah. and there's been thousands that were great. I mean terrific greats, but Ted Williams from uh his service to his country and everything. Yep. The the running joke used to be because I'm a big Red Sox fan, right? That um um Yaz would get the spring training in yeah. <laughs> eight day eight eight yep. days in, right? Yeah yep. he had back spasms. And he was out fishing with Ted Williams, talking about hitting in in baseball. Guys like Yaz, once you're that great, you don't really need spring training if you show up in shape. And that's what some of these guys do, and uh, professional athletes in every sport now. It's yeah. a it's a year round process, and they're right. ready. So yeah. that that nonsense of throwing extra pitches or. Or swinging extra times, your body's only that. Do so many. So um, every year, and even me as a kid said, this stack this back stadium stuff has to be no, it can't be. And he, and then it turns out he, he was just with Ted talking mm-hmm. about the players on the team, hitting all that, and uh, you know, there's as yeah, a triple crown winner, and uh, two of the greatest Red Sox play is I
0: mean ever so no, and yeah, okay no and and folks and, we will get to what we uh <laughs> we're here to talk about very soon. but it, it just goes to show I mean there there are people and like you mentioned there are guys in professional wrestling that just stand out and uh like we mentioned Ted Williams and you know here's a guy who had already was hitting you know that year that he hit 400 and he could have sat uh when he did it he already was done he they he, he didn't have to and he ended up going in the game, and I think he hit two home runs that day, or went, or went three for four or something, and ended up Oh, he's, le- he's legendary. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't he was. t-
1: and just going to take a seat. Yeah, and hit a, and that's, he hit a... And, and that's why there's great men among us, okay? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there, there's superstars in every sport, but then there's great men in that sport, and he certainly was one of them. Yeah.
0: And I think, and he hit a home run his last at bat. Okay, folks, that's it. We're good off baseball here, but okay. early, uh, we can go well, on for hours. Well, thanks,
1: thanks yeah. for my baseball tales. <laughs> when I get back to Rhode Island, no one wants to hear them. Yeah. And uh, you know, hey, what can I tell you?
0: I got a ton of stories. We we'll, one day, maybe we'll be able to. Uh, we'll share them, and I'm sure you got a few too. But uh, you know, getting back to you, you meeting uh, Vince, and he hires you now, folks. At this point in time. Uh, the would you say tim that maybe the corporation didn't quite uh well it wasn't quite what it is today uh, give us some idea what uh, i think the staff was at that point i think howard may have already been there but what what, what did the company look like back then
1: well um it was bare bones and yeah. howard was there and uh, i understand that howard's having some health issues so i yeah. wish him the the best because uh we've been through it all and uh i basically went down there and uh and um i said well what do you want me to do i don't know anything so well you're going to help fold up the t-shirts and the things and pack the truck And, and and then we left cape cod and we headed for connecticut and believe me um shane and stephanie were kids yeah. Shane um, uh, was in his teens and um, uh, uh, started into his, maybe he was 12 or 11, 12. And Stephanie was smaller, of course. Yeah. And um, they were in the backseat of Vince's car. And he actually helped, Vince and Linda helped us pack up the, the rider truck that we would drive to Connecticut. I still didn't know what I was doing, really, mm-hmm. nothing. Just get to Connecticut. We'll unload all this stuff, and uh, we'll go from there. And um, and then I started learning. So my first experiences when we left the Cape were uh, my duties were going to be to help set up the ring and sell the merchandise, which today it'd be hilarious when I talk to the guys now and I get to travel <laughs> a bit and go on appearances. And they said, what was the merchandise like back then? And now you know how old I am. Um, uh, They were those little round buttons that you would pin on your shirt with the the picture of the face of the wrestler. So we had eight buttons. We had a um, Sergeant Slaughter Cobra Clutch T-shirt, a Jimmy Superfly shirt, and a a Chief J Strongbow shirt. And then we had... um, uh, and Vince started his own magazine shortly after uh, Victory Magazine, which had, I think, two publications. So that that was our entire merchandise. Look where it is today, <laughs> right? So, again, um, and if it sounds like, uh, uh, you know, I'm just drinking the uh, WWE Kool-Aid, I'm not. I've got to work. And be around a genius who was so far ahead of time, and I just I just grabbed on and watched. I wish I had paid a little more attention. And I was off at positions higher up, but the higher up you go, it gets more. And I was pretty content, um, just rolling the way I was. And uh, but when we left Cape Cod, he had bought the business from his dad. Who had partners he had to buy them all out right and um yeah we got to connecticut and if his uh visions weren't correct we weren't gonna last okay right. that was it but uh, i didn't know and i was just doing what they asked me to do because again i was waiting to move on to the fbi academy so it was primitive that's what i have to say
0: yeah uh, did you make the move down to connecticut with them
1: well, I had to yeah. I had to, but then um uh, myself and Mike Breen, who was my partner at the uh friendly Tap in Cumberland, because when we'd ride together, and I mean there was some awful rides, and we would like i said uh uh putting up the ring yeah. and then go out and sell the merchandise and then you know we we paid our dues, but we were meeting these guys, and we were just having a good time. we were young guys, so it was an adventure and everything was great. But um, um, then I started to see it grow and grow and everything that uh, Vince may have mentioned to me the night uh, our first meeting, like, you know, um, it's small and territorial right now, but we'll go here, here and here. I had no idea what he was talking about because yeah. again, I was, they're very. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know the business. So, yeah, we and at to that time, unloaded trucks, and uh, off we went.
0: And at that time, uh, folks, the you know the the territories, and we've talked about it many times, were divided up across the country. Uh, the territory that that Vince and his or Vince Senior had carved out was the the Northeast there, and that extended you know certainly all the way up. Ah, uh, the New England uh, area, and then evened into you know down into New York and and that area, and and a lot of that's that's where most of the sh- that's where the shows were done, and you guys would drive uh, hundreds of miles for these house shows, right?
1: Exactly, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, to be honest with you, not just going back to the um, the, the uh, formative years of the business when uh, Vince and Linda um, uh, took over. But, uh, you know, we'd be in high school gyms
2: yeah. and
1: carried and ring up four flights of stairs and oh, snowing. Man. We'd be in the Bronx. We did. It was hard. And the guys, believe me, back in the day, the main event guys uh, made some money. The other guys just loved the road and doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It'd be, we used to call it healing a room or healing a, uh, a car if they had to rent a car or someone had a car, it was five in the car, five in one room, you know, pull the mattresses down, everyone shower and move on. Cause uh, they weren't making uh, t- t- tons of money. Neither yeah. were we. We yeah. were just getting by on the road, well, just okay. getting, getting by. But again, I was just, um, I was waiting, waiting, waiting for that call, uh, to go <laughs> to the FBI. So, um, now it kept growing yeah, and it got bigger and cool. it got bigger yeah. and uh, go ahead. Chuck.
0: I was going to say who you mentioned Sergeant Slaughter. Um, who were the, uh, and I put in the quotes of who were the big names though, that were helping to carry the, uh, the WWF at that time.
1: Well, uh, I was, I uh, just in the, uh, the transition, and uh, Bruno, God bless him, who just passed away. Yeah, And I just, I think that he was the face of professional wrestling, correct? Oh, yeah, I mean, he absolutely. had the record for sellouts at Madison yeah. Square Garden. I mean, that's insane for the amount of uh, media back in the day and whatever. Yeah. What a gentleman, what a man. So um, that was handed off. And then uh, the next feller in uh, that was the first champ when I was there was Bob Backlund, who mm-hmm. oh, you couldn't hand it to a better guy in the growth era because he was your all-American guy, just a terrific, terrific wrestler, yeah, and he would stay. You know what, Sean? It impressed the heck out of me because we're packing up the truck from selling the merchandise and get ready to take the ring down, and we'd look over and there's, uh, Bob Backlund in his three-piece suit signing autographs till every person got an autograph and left it. But it was a high school. It wasn't, there weren't thousands of right. stuff. but they couldn't have been uh, passed the torch better than from Bruno to Bob Backlund. Mm-hmm. And now the business, in the way Vince looked at it, is going to change to the um, more entertaining, more you know, and so uh, it moved on.
0: At what point did you see it really start to change? We're talking pre-Hulkamania and before, but what, at what point did you say, you know, uh, and you said you recognized that you were working for somebody who certainly had a vision and uh, you know, a, a genius, as you well, described it? Well, you know this. what? When did you really um, see it happening?
1: A long, 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 yes. Uh, before WrestleMania 1. Yeah. And uh, and then and and then Vince, I mean, I, I don't ever play poker with Vince McMahon because he was broke. He was He was mortgaging everything he owned and everything he had. Yeah, yeah you know. But he went and got handpicked the top talents from those other territories to come to WWF at the time. Mm-hmm. And now. You know, and we talked about territories. Crockett was in the south, of Von Erickson, Texas, uh, born out in the West you know, and then of course you had you had the Canadian uh fellas up there with Stu and Helen Hart in Calgary and he picked hand picked and because he, he 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 paid he paid them a lot more than and they and they came. Yeah. And all of a sudden every time Every time the lock, you know, the door would open, all of a sudden there were these different faces, different guys. I didn't know who they were because, uh, again, I didn't know much about wrestling. Yeah. They said, "Oh man, this guy's one of the best in Texas. This best guy." And uh, I said, "Wow!" So he was putting together his first All Star team, heading towards uh, the biggest, biggest gamble of his life: WrestleMania One.
0: Yeah. And you saw these houses uh, start to grow a little bit by a little bit every yes month yes or so
1: but uh, uh, the the TV and uh, it's not like today Sean of course where uh, you know uh, media you know everything within a right. second now but yeah. um, uh, back when I started um, uh, we 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 used to have to um, 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 uh, pay to be on TV
0: right. Yeah, I remember case.
1: having to run the tapes to different <laughs> TV stations <laughs> and they play it because it was like an infomercial. So, but all that changed and it all changed and it coincided with what was happening in America, you know, yeah. and um, all, all of a sudden uh, as his plan was coming together, cause he's way ahead of everyone, you know that, yeah. but uh, and, and listen, I have to say this, because I love the McMahons, right? I, they're, they're my employer, have been, but I consider them friends, and I've been with them through it all. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, as this construction of the great wrestling uh, uh, show that it is today, mm-hmm. Linda McMahon was is m- m- probably more important Vince. Vince is the creator, the marketer, the visionist. Linda was the nuts and bolts, believe me, putting together TV deals and, and taking care. So they, they are the best team ever in the history of uh, wrestling because they uh, to, together made it where it is today.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that because, you know, Linda kind of stayed in the background through all that, even when it really started to grow. Of course, that changed all later. All of it, but then, all, you know,
1: every bit of it, but yeah. I stood in the back background and I saw, and I was at some meetings where she was, uh, 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 you know, uh, licensing uh, TV contracts, all, and then the biggest deals, I, they would, it'd be, the two of them making but oh, I mean there's only 24 hours in the day and as yeah. as uh, as we hit and I mean when we hit big was right after Wrestlemania 1 it was a perfect storm right MTV cable television he spent I mean talk about when we left Cape Cod to move to Connecticut
2: mm-hmm. if
1: Wrestlemania 1 didn't hit the numbers they needed all of us were going home.
0: That's yeah. it. It was done. Yeah, and uh, you're right. And uh, that was, uh, you know, when when Hulk came in and and uh, before WrestleMania won, was that uh, a big wave? Did you feel it uh, when when he came in? That uh, you're like, wow, this this is uh, <laughs> this is about to get crazy.
1: Yeah, well, it is. It is. And again, um, um, I it, it, I I think the wrestling. Uh, talent took over mm. but it, it, it needed that jump start and it got it from cindy Lauper, mr t um muhammad ali liberate they were all at wrestlemania one uh, pushing it and uh and make it the spectacular that it was and uh and then we carried on from then and now he had uh, assembled the best talent in in the country and even uh, from asia and wherever to keep rolling because the ball he, he i mean wrestlemania 1 was a huge success
2: yeah. and uh
1: what I did what I did for wrestlemania 1 was I stopped uh, putting up the ring and selling merchandise and they called me into the office and I worked with a fellow from uh, new york city that uh, is a genius in um, and, and what was going to happen with pay-per-view television. So uh WrestleMania One was half closed circuit and uh the rest of the country wasn't uh you know didn't have cable ability yet. Yeah. But I had a call and and uh now there's like what three, four cable companies. Back then every town had their own cable company. So I sat in the office for ten, twelve hours a day and called every single little cable company and tried to sell them WrestleMania 1. And then I finally get to the engineer because uh, I guess they had to send uh, the uh, decoder boxes to the engineer to put, put it on their cable system. So uh, I learned quite a bit from him. I You know, I, I've learned so much through the way, really, I have. And uh, I wasn't just, because um, I, I, you know what? I'm a pretty sharp guy, so yeah. I've learned every step of the way, and uh, it's it, it, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see what was going on, and every day the door opened up down in Greenwich. Then we moved to Stanford. Every day you didn't know who was coming through the door. It was the most extraordinary um, job to ever have. You didn't yeah. know. No day is like, oh, tomorrow's Monday. I got to do that. You never know what's going to happen. It was uh, just great. I loved it. Really exciting. It. I loved it. Yeah.
0: Uh, was that first WrestleMania? Was it a tough sell? Uh, You're talking about getting on the phone and trying to sell to these cable companies, or were they anxious? to Well, uh,
1: to yeah, get yes, it, yeah, it ab- absolutely, because some of these uh, cable companies, you know, uh, Rollins Cable in Lincoln, Rhode Island. Okay, I'm um, name, in Rhode Island, it's my home. They had no idea about. If they knew what I knew the day I met Vince in Cape Cod. What? I said, yeah, it's, we're trying, it's pay-per-view. If you agree, there's splits, this, and this, and that. And uh, if you subscribe, subscribers buy. beautiful. It's, you lose nothing, and you gain this money. So, but I, I'd spend, geez, some, with some of them, I'd spend over 45 minutes. And then they said, so we're talking about what? Wrestling? And okay. I'm, <laughs> God, but it is what it is. Yeah, so, it got better. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I would say so, wouldn't you?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, but it, it, it's yeah. amazing, though, how much it, it changed. And But at the same time, now, I didn't arrive until 88. And I tell people this, that even at that point in time, Tim, it was, it was a relatively small company. We all knew each other. You know, you knew who was doing the, you know, the promotion. Uh, you knew who was, uh, you know, doing the, the, the tapes. I mean, there were still sending tapes out well, there.
1: Well, you know you know what? When you arrived, Sean, it was still the United States and Canada. And yeah. then he took it off the trot. And I'll tell you what, I, I went to the studios to do uh, um, a few afterthoughts about uh, the Andre the Giant uh, uh, documentary. And I know nobody there now, and there's hundreds and hundreds. (laughs) But you know what? To your listeners, if they ever could see the organization, I just, uh, you know what? I can't comprehend it, how they do it week in, week out, live shows, they're publications they're marketing their geniuses man yeah. it's unbelievable just go to an arena at 3:30 in the morning and watch the first WWE trucks roll in okay and then I mean it this it's 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 not it, the talent yes that's what that's what uh, people pay to see mm-hmm. but those uh, those technicians, the stagehands, the sound people, the yeah. caterers yeah. you got to see it to believe it. Yeah. And
0: what is so they answer? roll
1: on at three thirty four in the morning. They unload. They set up the set. They you know whatever building it's not the same thing every day for them because buildings yeah. are different. And then at eight o'clock that evening, we're live all all over the world. And yeah. It's just wow. Yeah. that's that's a tour right there just watching that happen. yeah it,
0: it is incredible and I've been back to a, a couple lately and and you're right tim it just blows me away just just the number of oh, uh, my. trucks outside of these arenas now it just it's it's just incredible oh yeah, yeah. and
1: then everybody it's like the best military operation truck one and the stage everyone's well I mean it's just
2: that's yeah I just
1: watch and, and and you and you have to remember this didn't just happen. Yeah. He's months and years ahead. It's just incredible. And yeah. the, here I am, and it's uh, 2018. And I, yes, I still have a VCR, and I can't program it. So that's <laughs> the way <it> things work.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes better to keep it simple. Uh, we got a lot of ground to well, cover, and I, I want to talk about your your, your career um, in the ring. Uh, I, I, I don't know. How did you make that transition? Because, you know, you're on the ground floor. You probably could have ended up at the tower uh, doing something, I know that you did a lot more, uh, besides being a referee, but how did that come about that you actually ended up getting involved for your, in these matches?
1: Well, and I, I wasn't privy to the deals that uh, Vince made with, uh, with uh, Hogan and Andre and, uh, and it was Andre's Andre, I mean, Andre's best friend at the time. Arnold Skollin, the golden boy. Yeah. And he was the coolest guy ever, okay? And um, when Mike and I would be done putting up the ring or we're selling them, he'd come out and ask us, where are you guys staying? We didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. We have never been there. They said, he told us, you go here. Tell them you're with me. They give you the rate." Right. So that's how that started. And we became friends. And then when Andre returned from my, uh, Japan, as the wheels were in motion to the WrestleMania three, I mean, a couple of years up. And again, I said on the documentary, the first time I met Andre, he threw me out of the locker room.
0: He yeah, it didn't go so well.
1: On <laughs> no, it didn't go well at all because again, I'm green. I don't know anything, but, yeah. uh, so, um, not knowing what the plans were going forward. Um, I guess, uh, Vincent, uh, chief J Strongbow. A, was the lead agent on a lot of the, um, live event shows, you know, the house shows. So,
2: yeah.
1: um, he said, uh, um, you know, uh, Andre, uh, he, he loves Timmy. They just get along great. Thanks to Annie." and he gave, finally, they invited me into their little circle and he goes, I want to keep the boss happy. So would, would he, uh, you think he would just travel exclusively with Andre? And he goes, well, I'm sure if we asked him, uh, they get along, you know, pretty good. He said, but you know what? In the finances, it wasn't really there. So he goes, you know what? He's, he's, he's smaller. He's athletic. Take him in the ring. Teach him how to referee. Ah. So, uh, and, uh, so, uh, uh, chief Jay walked me through my first matches and, uh, he told the boys, listen, help him out in the ring because he doesn't know much. And uh, that developed uh, uh, pretty good. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's how it started. So then we traveled exclusively, and I refereed every night. And I got, the, you know what, like anything I've ever done, Sean, I'll get better and better. Just show me, tell me, and I don't forget anything. So uh, I got uh, I got pretty damn good.
0: Yeah. So uh, this that's uh, that relationship with with Andre is what what got you in the ring. But you kind of fast forwarded real uh, quick there as far as uh, him initially uh, throwing you out of the locker room because he did not like to be interrupted mm-hmm. and have people uh, get into his space. Yeah, well, you know
1: would. what, uh, you know what, kayfabe. <laughs> the the locker room was for referees and the wrestlers only. Right. You right. didn't just walk in there. When I walked in, he looked. I'll never forget it. I'm I'll, I'll never, You know, sometimes you don't forget anything, right? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: He's playing cards with Tito Santana. He looks as I walk through the door and I have the uh, lineup sheets that the chief has to go upstairs and get copies of, right? Yeah. So I figured I'm working for the company. I can walk in with him. Well, I learned my lesson. And then I hated him. Hated him. <laughs> oh, God. I wanted to get a crowbar out of the truck and go back in there and hit him in the head don't you ever chase me out i'm not a bum right but uh uh as arnie would keep telling us where they were staying and all that finally and uh everyone knows and uh um uh, you know i don't go right to my room i like to have a couple of beers or a few drinks every night which i've done my whole life, especially on the bar so you know what? If uh, people say hey, that's wrong, it's not wrong. Cause I yeah. was, uh, you know, I got, I took care of business. So that's the, what I do. But then all of a sudden Andre gave me the big wave and invited me over to the bar and then we were off and running. I know I'm speeding it up, but, yeah. uh, it's a long, it's a long progress really. So, yeah. um,
0: well, I remember uh, the day, time. I remember there was a day back then that you, uh, you actually kind of pulled me aside and you said, you told me that, you know, Andre likes you and I, and, and I, cause I was the same way. I mean, I just, uh, I was told early on, you know, that Andre is, uh, you know, he's not this horrible oh, person, Anything, yeah. but you just keep your, if he wants to talk to you or if he wants anything to do with you, he will. And I, so I was very, you know, just kept my respectful distance when I, whenever he talked to me or we did interviews, I was, you know, as very respectful right we had a great time and i remember you told me that when i tell you it floored me i was just kind of like wow
1: yeah well uh you know he was the boss right and uh he walked the way he wanted to walk and then i saw people and i go oh because i feel bad for him and it was like me walking into that locker room that first mm-hmm. time they feel because they're a Some andre you need to do this so he put it you know he looked at him oh, yeah, okay. And uh, that'd be the last time they could even come and talk to him. I mean, he was fickle like that. But then if he liked you, you, you could approach him anytime. He had to like you, but he had a great sense of human beings, believe me. And he felt your aura or whatever whenever he walked, when you walked up to him. And if he liked you, he'd do what you asked if he asked alright. right. So... He liked certain announcers and, and, and commentators and, and uh, interviewers, and then he didn't like others. So, um, And I watched him just like, and, you know, a few times he said, boss, come on, they're just trying to do their job. No. Mm-hmm. He just, once he said no, yeah. they were done. So, yes, he did like you because you gave him the proper respect. And when you did say, what, what would you like to do, how many, uh, take, uh, you know, how many questions should I, yeah. I mean, it, and then he had a good sense of people, like I said, so you were in and, uh, you were very good at your job, man. So.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, but, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. And we'll, and folks, we will get into the whole, uh, relationship that, that Tim had with, with Andre, but uh, I'm also fascinated by, cause a lot of people don't really hear about what goes in, goes on in the ring, uh, as the third man. And it's it's a very very important position in there, and there really is an art to it. Uh, you said that you know you just paid attention. Was that really what was I guess was your classroom because uh, uh, you you didn't there wasn't somebody who was really going to give you lessons. You said they'd give you pointers and they'd help well, you up the ring, but
1: right. But when guys were going over, if they were going to do their first program together. Yeah. Uh, a chief would say, Timmy, we need you to get there early. Just get in the ring and roll around with them and, and get a feeling. So it is a three-way dance. And, it, again, it, it got more and more important as time went by because the matches got more and more high level where a sunset flip is not a finish anymore. Yeah. And they started to include referees in the matches. Mm-hmm. where And that was a big thing with Vince, too. Um uh, like I said earlier, he hired the best technicians, best thing. Then he wanted to get all the referees in-house.
0: Right. Meaning. We weren't just picking um, these guys no, up. No, local,
1: no, you know. yeah, no, no, no disrespect to the, the towns that had the athletic commissions or the guy that, you know, uh, uh, sold shoes to come down uh, every other month. And uh, they had no idea of what's going on or what's going on in the ring so as the the matches got more sophisticated he wanted to train his own people which he did and then I got to work with the great uh, some of the great referees ever in the business and it is a three-way dance and we all know it's entertainment but uh, god knows I've had a eight surgeries when you uh, you should have zigged or zagged uh, mm-hmm. You end up in the hospital. It's a, it's a show, but it's so physical. It's unreal. And, uh, again, I work with these guys. They do it every single night, night after night with the travel. So my hat's off to them. And, of course, when 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 I had to take a bump, I hadn't done it for uh, three weeks straight. So sometimes these guys don't own their own size or power, and uh, they hit you. And, wow. You you know you say to yourself, "Holy crap!" And uh, well, you get out of it. But again, uh, the referees became a big, big part of matches. Then, then at certain WrestleManias, there were certain guys that said, "Make sure that I did their match," and uh, and uh, and, I, and that was that was a credit to me and to them because I you know I love working with these guys. You know, yeah. I do. Yeah. It's yeah. terrific.
0: Well, and initially, you know, referees, the, the less that you saw their presence in the ring, the better they were. That's kind of the way they looked at them. And then as things progressed, you know, you had people that you guys became personalities in this, and, and as as you did. Uh, and, and they became part of some of these storylines. Because before then, a lot of these matches, you didn't go, you weren't in on what was going on with the match. They basically told you, we're doing this and this, and this is the finish, right? You didn't really, you didn't know. Right exactly yeah,
1: yeah well and 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 your job was don't blow the finish
0: yeah
1: know the spots know the heat. you knew your spots and then get out of the way because yeah. there is um do you know how many people sean actually went to an arena and said i hope tim white referees tonight and bought huh. a ticket <laughs> none <laughs> not one yeah. so as our friend the rock would say know your role so yeah, but it is a three-way dance. There's spots in there that uh, that I—it's like uh, it's a magic act, okay? So people don't know, need to know. Yeah. Um, uh, just enjoy the match. But honestly, when they work that hard, and we're building to the finish, and then you blow the finish or you block a camera angle, there's a lot of stuff going on in there as it got more and more sophisticated, and uh, well the um, I've seen fellas screw up matches, and they didn't get a second chance. Well, I screwed a couple up, and I got a second chance. Well, so I was lucky, very right. lucky. But I think that's because I, I was under Arnie and Andre's umbrella. Like, we'll we cut him, we'll cut him slack because everyone liked me, you know?
0: Yeah. So Yeah. But you, you became uh, absolutely one of the best, and do you remember – uh, because you said you know, the guys would request to to have you in there with them. Uh, do you, you remember what your you know you're really the the first big match, the one that really uh, when you look back that that was the one that uh, really stands out to you. Initially, one of your first ones.
1: Well, you know what, uh, Sean, uh, that uh, that's not fair because I've done so many championship matches with so many guys through the years. Yeah, and like I said, that was thirty. 30- something years ago so every one of them i was privileged believe me and i got excited so i remember some i remember some funny ones i remember some uh, you know like uh, um, they just interviewed me it's 20 years this year since the uh, mankind undertaker hell in the cell and i was the referee on that and You know what's unfair, and I'll just tell you, and we're on the phone, right? You call me, you ask me. So they call me from the studios, and they said, so what were you feeling right then? (laughs) That was 20 years ago. I can't, you know, I do remember this. I told them I was having having a heart attack through the whole match because when I spoke to uh, uh, Mick and Mark, they told me the the spots I needed to know, but I didn't know they were going to do some of that stuff. And then when it, uh, when, when it broke down, yeah. now I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God, is he going to make it to the finish, or what's going on? And now, because you're always communicating back and forth, but uh, I'll never forget after he went through the top of the yeah. after he threw him off through the announce table, then he dropped down through, and he's crawling to the corner, and then Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. <laughs> and I get over to Foley, and um, and his nose is up. I mean, his a uh, tooth is up through his nose. He's bleeding from his eyes, his ears, and everything. So uh, you know, there's a little uh, grab that you can do to see if he wants to keep going, or should I just you know stop? Right. Oh, uh, and he and he looks up and he goes, "Where are the tacks?" He forgot where the tacks which, uh, right. Where they were left under the ring. So I told him, and then doing my hocus pocus in the ring, and I get back to Undertaker. He said, "Let's take it home." I said, oh, "He even I think that and I like he couldn't believe it. This guy had that in him, yeah. and uh, he dumped you know he dumped the tax all over the ring, and uh, then he made a move and Undertaker reversed it and tombstoned him. And uh, I think they picked about forty tax out of my arm from counting the one, two, three, yeah. and boy was I. I was so happy that everyone lived through that thing and it was over. Yeah, him. I mean,
0: there were points in that match that you must have really been saying, this this is insane, what this oh, guy is. Oh, it
1: is. And, and when he threw him off the top, <sighs> I thought he was going to reverse something and they keep playing on the top and then climb back down and get into the, But when he threw him off the top, down through the announce uh, thing, I, I had no idea that was coming. And that's when I almost threw up. And I'm going, Oh God. <laughs> so you know, I I think um I think fig- I think it might have been Sarge's could have been Sarge or Bruce Birchard up in the gorilla saying, see if he's okay. See you know, because yeah. there's signs that you give of someone's right. I mean, because you you do something like that, you're hurt bad, man. You know? But yeah. Hey, well, I
2: think, that's I think why it's seen,
1: legendary, and yeah. uh, I was just glad to be part of it. and I love both those guys, and that—that that set the—that uh, set the bar for hell in the cell matches. That's for sure. That's uh, for
0: sure, right? Yeah, but I don't know if anybody has ever been able to to match that. What about the the the, the shoulder bump with you? I mean, how did that how did that happen?
1: Well, you, you know what, uh, and uh, we walked through it, and that was in Nashville, and um, uh, you know what, uh, and I'm being honest with the fans, those those cell matches, those TLC matches, they're very nerve-wracking, because anything can go wrong, because you're working with props and not just in the confines of the ring, you know, yeah. so anything can go wrong, so And of course, um, uh, 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 Triple H and and and, uh, uh, Jericho, they would always ask for me, and and we just just talk about a dance and a rhythm and everything else. So Mm -hmm. we walk through it. Everything's great, you know. And we'll get to that spot, and uh, and uh, Triple H is going to throw Jericho back in the ring. He's going to keep rolling towards the ropes. Triple H goes in next. Then I start to climb up on the ropes, and Jericho comes flying across with a a flying forearm. Uh, Triple H ducks down. He hits me. And the one thing, you know, uh, we didn't go through, I mean, I knew everything. I mean, everything was there, uh, was that he hit me so hard when I flew off the apron I hit it, but it was one of those chain link faces, uh, fences, not the bars. Yeah. So that became like a springboard. And when I hit that with the velocity, I did, I had one second to put my arm out or break my neck. <laughs> I put the arm out and I had uh previous surgery. So I had pins in there and it ripped okay. everything out. So that yeah. pretty much finished me up uh <laughs> refereeing, but listen, no one did anything wrong. Right. We just didn't take into account that uh, uh, the spring off the uh, fence would be as uh, severe as it was.
0: Yeah. So, well, anyway. the the reason I bring that up, and we're talking the Helen in the cell that was in uh, uh, two thousand two, um, that it is. It, it's uh, not only, and, and there's no question. We we've, we've mentioned how what what these superstars go through night after night with their bodies, but um, when you guys are involved in that, and it's not something you guys do every night. Uh, it's dangerous out there. And, and, uh, most of these bumps, you know, when they, when they do involve you, you're supposed to basically be knocked out of commission for whatever period of time. So you got to take a pretty nasty shot. Uh, how did you prepare yeah, for that? And, stuff? And you they, know,
1: you can. Yeah. Well, uh, Sean, you, you, you don't, Well, we walked through it and I know what I can take and what I can't, and I wasn't, you know, um, I can take bumps, okay? So, and that's why they, myself and Hebner Earl took more hits, and oh, people go, How are you guys still going? But, um, um, you know what? If you can take, now, there's been situations where they, they come to me and ask, Will you take that? And I said, No. No. Nope. Oh, really?
0: There were, there was, and,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: No. not nope. come to mind.
1: Not, not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it.
0: Do you and, remember uh, one?
1: And uh, and that's kind of tougher because you're just a referee. But I yeah. said, no, no, I can't. I won't do that one. I can do this, this, this. And then they come back and uh, they said, okay, we moved you. Now you take the rock bottom instead of getting hit with a chair or something. And I said, that's fine because I know uh, uh, Dwayne just picked me up and dropped me square, so I'm not going to get hurt, you know. So yeah. anyway.
0: Well, there's a sense of trust, too, with these guys, uh, you know, that you... Well, yeah,
1: and and again, that's what you said, uh, you know, we spoke about a lot earlier, was the timing and trusting each other, because what do those guys do to each other in in the course of a match? They trust each other, and they have to know, and they talk, you know, can you do this, can you do that? If you're not comfortable with that, we can put this in. So that's, you know... Uh, we're not up there. We're out there to entertain, not to get hurt, because life goes
0: on. Now, Tim, I want to take a quick time out here on primetime with Sean Mooney, uh, so we can talk about one of our favorite sponsors. There are none other than Dollar Shave Club. Now, everybody, uh, you know, out there listening, if you've got, uh, you know, if you shave every day like I have to and you've got a thick beard like I have. I mean, I get up in the middle of the night. I uh, host a television show, so uh, I have to shave like two o'clock in the morning and um, need to have a good razor. I have one of those beers that grows in all kinds of different directions and I also have some very sensitive skin. Can you identify with what I'm talking about? So I really need to have a good shaving experience. And let me tell you about my Dollar Shave Club experience. Now I've heard of all these other hosts you know talking about in these podcasts, you know the Dollar Shave Club and Dr. Carver's Shave butter. but I wanted to find out for myself. when I first tried the six bladed razors they have with the executive razor, uh, it had been uh, you know a long weekend. I had a really good beard going. Well, I got out that shave butter and you can see right through it so I can see all the whiskers. I'm telling you I got a tremendous shave. So, if you want to have a great shaving experience, you got to check out Dollar Shave Club. And best part of all, you don't have to go anywhere. They deliver everything to you. I mean, everything. And they also have shampoo, they've got body wash, and even toothpaste. Everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. So guys, clean up your bathrooms. Come on, end your morning routine, like with me, very early. Join Dollar Shave Club today, and for just $5 with free shipping, You'll get the six blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, and one wipe Charlie's. Uh, You'll find out what you do with those, but they're great. And then you can keep the blades coming for weeks. Week after week for just a few bucks a month. Now to get that deal and a tremendous shaving experience, all you have to do is go to dollarshaveclub.com slash primetime. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash primetime and then get ready to have that tremendous shave experience. So, Tim, I want to get back to uh, one, I guess, half of of your career with the WWF was uh, uh, not only being a great friend with Andre the Giant, but looking after him. And uh, how did that really, the the, the relationship, I mean, from him waving you over in the bar to, you know, where you really became uh, close and then started traveling with him?
1: Well, uh, Sean, and th- and this will sound funny, very uneasy at the start, because okay. I didn't know how much pain, or after we've been in the bar or as long as we were when we get in, and his accent, in that deep voice, mm-hmm. he must have thought I was a goof because yeah. I'd be driving, and we always rented vans, right? Yeah. And he go, we're good good work boss and I'm going. Yeah. And I'm shaking and I'm going straight. I didn't, I didn't know he said, take a left boss, you know? So, uh, it took a while to get there. And I, even though we were friendly at the bar, now we're traveling with just me and him. And I was still a little bit intimidated because, um, um, he was so, you know, he, he, he was Andre, but then that loosened up and it became, it just became fantastic. And you know what happened? On the way to the show, we started to love each other and care about each other. Not a job. I'm not his driver. I'm not uh, the referee. We uh, and uh, everything we spoke about and talked about in the van uh, because we were we were best friends by then. Um, I never let out. I never let it out here either. I mean, uh, WrestleMania three. they were top top people coming to me and they, they're they asking is is the boss gonna put him over i said huh. i don't know he's sitting right there yeah. i knew damn well what was happening in that match but the thing when you when you, you when you trust each other and you ride down the road together and there was i mean some top people asked me i said no i'm not no we never discussed that they said you did didn't you i said yeah we did but you know what i mean you know what you ask him so yeah. That became like uh that became like uh, get smart the uh uh the cone of silence, so whatever we talked about and all that because we were best friends right. and uh i was i was I was friends with Andre in the last third of his life, which was the most painful mm-hmm. because he kept growing his back, the surgeries and all that. but I made it fun for him and uh and uh he made it fun for me. You know, yeah, so yeah. he was always more worried about me uh, than I was, you know, because I'd always say, no, no, you can't do those. Take it easy, Timber. We can win. I mean, it was, it was, we had a lot of
0: fun. So there and wasn't, the time, it wasn't a point in time where you, you said that things changed. It was just gradually and being around each other and getting to know each other day after day on the road. That's right. Relationship that's
1: right. And, and yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, he's a human being. And uh you know people uh, wish for being famous and all that kind of crap. It ain't worth it. It's not worth it. Oh. Spend one day in a celebrity, i mean a mainline celebrity shoes where for one second, the minute you go in public, and now with the technology, you're never i mean you're just trapped and it's it's not it's not good. it really mm. isn't and they they understand that people get excited and uh there's the movie star there's uh there's the rock there's uh andre and andre couldn't hide that's the other thing he couldn't he couldn't put on some makeup and wear a big jacket and walk through an airport it was uh it was nerve-wracking yeah. nerve-wracking
0: and we, yeah, he was a- we
1: left several hotels in the middle of the night because uh we don't know there's a uh there's a uh, a polling league convention. There's all these 13, 14 year old kids in the place and mm-hmm. they see Andre come in and check into the hotel. Of course they find out what room all night long. So he called me, let's go boss. And we just move out. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And yeah. uh, I'll tell you one thing. If he was a gentle giant, because if he had a real bad attitude that it would have been terrible. So it, uh, it all worked out. And I loved him in the most time uh, uh, when we got back to the ranch in Ellery and he put on his shorts and a T-shirt and uh, we'd ride the four-wheelers and he was had his dogs and and he could be left alone because he had a huge ranch. And that was right. the most I saw him relax and enjoy himself, really. So. Well,
0: it was great that he had a place that he could go and, and uh, actually just be away because people don't understand. And, and you mentioned that that uh to to people they forget he's a human being and uh that he would that to him there was just the spectacle and i remember uh being in an airport one time and he was he would read his paper he had his paper up and not who knows if he was reading it where it was just like a curtain and people would come up there and stand there and andre 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 you know and people didn't understand that you know that 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 it wasn't him being rude yeah well
1: but sean again they're just so excited, and yeah. you can't blame them. Yeah. So uh, honestly, uh, we we'd get through security at an airport back when there was security because we yeah. used to just walk right through. And uh, been, but by the time we got to the gate, there's 500 people chasing us down the hallway right. of the airport. What are you yeah. going to do? It's it was just a it was a really very stressful for me. I was just glad once we get out of the uh, airport and the uh, the airplane. And got to and of course he had friends in every single part of the world that owned restaurants and bars and stuff. And we had there and they they know he'd be coming and they had it yeah. all set up where it was secure and there wasn't any problems and everything went great. So yeah. it was it was uh, it was fun. But uh, you know what? Uh, uh, another thing about Andre, like his 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 family were the wrestlers. I mean, right. I know yeah. he had his biological, no. So he was the most comfortable, not only at the ranch, but in the locker room yeah. with the guys and the girls and anybody that was a wrestler. And, um, the closest people that I ever uh, been with, uh, that he would, uh, go out and have fun with were, um, were hockey players. And, uh, mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was good friends with, uh, John Ferguson, and um, uh, Bobby Orr, Carol Mm -hmm. Vadney. There were a bunch of them. And I said, boss, you know what? And he goes, because they, uh, the the pro hockey players, are, are 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 the closest to what the wrestlers are. You know, they play hard, they party hard, and they conduct themselves like professionals, and they're ready to go the next day. And, uh, yeah, so I got that, and I got to meet the, all those people, and uh, and uh, that was fun. But also, um, outside of hockey plays, he'd do nobody, no one. So we had this little sign, like, in the ring, where if we were sitting at an airport and someone, you know, that was, um, you know, a, a fellow celebrity or something, would, uh, walk up and if, if I gave him the Iggy and then he let him through, they, they, they speak their piece. So, uh, we're in, uh, the airport in Detroit and, uh, at the time, uh, Johnny Bench, right? Uh, mm-hmm. hall of famer, yeah. he's walking by, he's a huge wrestling fan. So he spots Andre sitting there with me and he comes forward. Now I know who he is. God, I love baseball. Right. Holy uh-huh. mackerel. So I give him the off. So Johnny shakes his hand. He goes, oh, my God, boss. Oh, I call him Andre. I don't have nits that big. <laughs> you know, catch his nits. And Andre just grinning in and go, so he goes, oh, listen, I don't want to be late for my flight, but I'd be remiss if I didn't stop and say hello. You are the greatest. And Andre just smiled. Good to meet you, boss. So he leaves and then he goes who was that? I said, that was Johnny bench. That was Johnny bench. He goes, who's he?" I said, okay, there you go. So, uh, yeah,
0: it's really funny. I remember when uh, you would come to Stanford and you, and you mentioned the vans and they had that van with the, the bubble top and the big giant captain's chair in back, uh, Right, and I, that must have been uh, when they got that. That must have been great for Andre because flying was so difficult. When you could drive, you did. You drove everywhere, right?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. If if it was within range, and uh, when Vince asked him to move closer to, um, uh, as things were progressing, so uh, he stayed at the uh, Hyatt Regency in yeah. Greenwich, yeah. and that's when they had that van man, manufactured for him because. Back in the days when they started with those, uh, you know, those, uh, uh, vans with the phone in it and VCR yeah. and, uh, the, you know, so they made one for him with the high, high, uh, headroom and yeah. one giant, uh, seat. And he was more comfortable in that. And watching then we just, cause I'm driving, we just talk and laugh and, you know, we'd we, have some wine or whatever, and then we were, we're moving. So, uh, but when we got into other um, um, airports, which weren't drivable, of course, I'd, I'd rent vans and sometimes even campus, you know, if he could get through the door because he just couldn't fit in, a, in an automobile anymore. So yeah. um, let me tell you what the biggest waste of time ever was if they arranged a limo service to pick us up and a stretch limo pulled up, oh,
0: God, yeah.
1: Wave it off. No, nah, no, nah, because he couldn't get in. Yeah. A, you've been in stretch limos, They're, yeah. Those are
0: hard for anybody.
1: Yeah, you, you, you gotta you gotta crawl into the back seat. You can't. Yeah, it's all for show. Sure. So he wouldn't get any help. No. So I'd go to her or someone and rent a van and go back up to the lounge or whatever. And yeah, so I, I kept a book on um, where to rent in every city, so it made it easier.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it must have been uh, quite an experience. and no i'm sure you could you know in that documentary you were you were so great in it tim i mean of, of anybody who i felt really captured uh, and shared who he really was it was you and and there were certainly other people on there but uh you were really uh, a big part of his life
1: well and again i i am so glad it came off like that they did a wonderful job i did run into um uh, I, cause I, I go on appearances now with uh, talent to make sure everything's good yeah. and, I, and I ran into Carrie Hughes yeah. and um, Chris Arandon both from the Princess Bride movie oh, I love that and movie. we sat and talked and they said what a pleasure what a great guy but uh, one quick story was Andre almost lost his spot in that movie Um, because Carrie loved Andre so much so he'd come to his trailer at night they'd play cards and drink all night and the next day they'd pick you up at 4.30 to go to the set and it was the outdoor scene on the side of the hills or cliffs or
2: something
1: and and, uh, when they both got there uh, Rob Ryan goes what the hell because they both look like shit on camera. So now there's a day of shooting wasted. That's a big, big waste of a day. So um, uh, Reiner made it to Andre and goes, look, you might be the boss in that wrestling business. So I'm the boss here. The all-night games, the party, and anything. You're not going to screw this picture up in and, and him the Riot Act no one ever read him the rioter yeah, and no uh, kidding. as a, yeah. So it was great because he didn't want him to lose his spot in the movie. Cause a lot of people were concerned that they couldn't understand his verbiage and all that. And, uh, that all worked out and the movie was great, but oh, seeing man. that, uh, Carrie, cause he's done so great. And so was Chris Sarandon. And, and, uh, I met Mandy Patinkin, and Robert back in the day. And, um, the only time I, sh- I saw Andre nervous, you know, like you and I would get like shaking nervous. Yeah, we went to we went together to the uh, premiere of uh, the Princess Bride in Toronto, Canada, and it was called the Festival of Festivals, and that's where they premiered the movie. They had the red carpet. They did the whole nine yards. When Andre sat in there, and I'm sitting next to him. And I'm watching him and all the other people in the movie. Now he's being judged by movie critics and other people, not wrestling fans, right? He yeah. was shaken. Really? I mean, shaken. Yeah, oh, because oh. he'd never been judged. Right? But um, when we returned to, and then he was so happy when they was uh, the standing ovation, everything he got when we left, and he was so happy when we uh, returned to the uh, the ranch in Ellery. He had received, I don't know how many scripts, some other, uh, oh, because
2: movie.
0: they had no
1: yeah. idea that he could act. Right.
0: Yeah. And uh-huh.
1: he said, no, that's it. I just wanted to prove I could do it. I'm not a big dumb wrestler. So uh-huh. there you go.
0: Were you on the set for that, the, all the shooting when he was there? No,
1: nope. Got there at the start and then I left and then I picked him up when he came back from doing the stuff in England. Uh-huh. And, uh, Next time he went over there, he had his uh, back surgery. So,
0: I tell you, that is to this day one of my all-time favorite movies, and he was he was fantastic at it. I mean, you, how could you? Oh, you, you God! got in love with Andre in that movie.
1: You did, yeah. and uh, it was it was a perfect spot, uh, a perfect writing for him, and uh, and he and he pulled it off. And I, I think that was. Uh, that was uh, voted, to, uh, and I don't follow all that, so
2: yeah. was one
1: of the top 25 films ever made. And it's still, to this day, the greatest family picture to watch. And even for adults, right? To watch it, oh. you're entertained through the whole thing. It's great. Yeah. The humor and the, the setup, everything's terrific. So, yeah, yeah he was really happy with the turnout on that.
0: Yeah well there there were points and and it it was it was tough there's no it was not an easy life for andre and uh, and you really would have to know him as you did to understand that but it's awesome that there there were there were points in his his life that he did experience that incredible joy um and and did have places that he went where he felt comfortable and and was able to have peace um, in the documentary, though, I wanted to ask you, it, it, they kind of portrayed Andre as like he was bitter in the end that the WWE had somehow used him up. and uh, what I mean how was it uh, in those those uh, ending years there um, I mean, from you knew him. so what what was the situation in in uh, as his career ended?
1: Um, well, he was in extreme pain. he was deteriorating, yeah. right? So uh, Vince, and this is just my opinion. Vince was putting a point and they loved each other to death. Yes. But he was putting, I feel, he was kind of um, in a position like, I can't do that to the boss anymore. He's the legend. I don't want, even though, see, because of what I said earlier, wrestling, the road, everything was his life. And when someone says, you're not coming on the road anymore. I would, uh, and uh, and this would be a fair analogy to anyone that ever had to take the keys off their parents. You can't drive anymore. Uh, yeah. All right?
2: That's a good so analogy. now you,
1: you were the boss. You were the, so he never took advantage. Believe me, they loved him. They paid yeah. everything, anything he wanted, he got. Yeah. But why would you make him suffer even more? Even yeah. though he said he could, and believe me, I I didn't feel uh, as much as some people have asked me about that, but I just feel they were put in a position that um do we wanna see our friend, that guy that carried this business that we all love, try to keep doing it. When I mean he was he was pretty much crippled up. Yeah. And uh and so that's that's the only spin I have on that, Sean. That's yeah. my feeling. And that's uh, that was like when I told him uh, my shoulders better, I can referee. I couldn't keep up with those kids now. I'd blow up in a second. Uh, so no. you know that, yeah. You, you all have your time, but I have a life uh, outside of wrestling, family, and other things. So that, Andre, that was it. And when you mm-hmm. when you say to him, who's the boss? Anywhere he went, that um, you know. Now, we, you know, we, there's there's, there's nothing uh, booked for you right now. They, they were just really looking out for him. Yeah,
0: no, it. that's exactly that. And that's exactly how I feel, too, because you saw, and I saw it earlier, you know, uh, that, you know, seeing him uh, back in the, st- in the stage area in the locker room and j- just the pain he was in and then you know, trying to get out of the ring when he was on those hand crutches and you would just look at him. Right. And I that's yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like and you said, you could, you'd see him and go, Yeah, and, it get, get and, it,
1: and Sean, it kept getting worse.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. And,
1: uh, yeah. the last time I saw him when I left the ranch and I, and I had mentioned this on the A&E bar, I cried like a baby when I got to the gate at the end, seeing him in the pain and everything. But, uh, uh, French and Jackie were t- taking good care of him and he just it is what it is, but uh, uh, the, uh, uh, don't let me dismiss this quickly because he loved Vince's dad like it was his own dad and when Vince's dad passed away, he cried for two days. I never saw anything like it, but and with Vince, they were like brothers, and oh God, they knock heads on things, but it was all good for the business and they loved each other. And mm. when, when, uh, when, uh, Stephanie and Shane would visit him or be around especially Stephanie, when she would walk into the room, he'd light up like a, like the Christmas tree at Rockefeller center. He loved her and she, and she loved him at the end. Someone had to do what was best for him as a mm. person. So, uh, and, uh, you know, it they had hard. to, do, but believe me, it had nothing to do with finances or anything like that. Because uh, no matter what he needed, he was going to get. But they just felt like we we killing the guy that we love, Yeah. You know, but it was and so Andre, difficult because that's the only life that he knew right. was being on the road.
0: Yeah. So that was his life. I mean, you said he was his his family was those guys in the locker room with playing cards with Alfred right. and. Well, you know,
1: well, uh, you know I, I met with his uh, brothers and sister, and I met his mom and dad. And Easter yeah. dinner over there in Moline, yeah. and, and all that. They hardly knew him. He left when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. and uh, he'd come back and visit. But did they know anything? I mean, they that they knew that he was their brother, or, yeah. or and that uh, mom and we had a blast, but. Then we want to go back for two or three years. So he was, you know, his his family was the business, the traveling, the people he met through all the years. Like I said, he knew everywhere, everywhere we landed. Yeah. So it was fun.
0: So you knew that last time that you uh, left the ranch, that was probably the last time you'd see him? Did you have a definition? Yes.
1: Oh, I cried, cried, yeah. cried. And then I get a call from Frenchy, and I think that, it's, uh, that Andre... He goes no. He goes. Andre's dad passed away. He's leaving for Paris this afternoon, uh-huh. and uh, that that I think that flight. And then getting back to his his home, the par you know France. And then after he buried his dad, he uh-huh. went back and he had a few more drinks, and that was it. He made it over there, but uh, I kind of knew in my heart, and uh, like I said, I knew that, but I told him. I'll be back boss. I'll see you. And where are you going? I said, well, I'm I'm in Texas next or wherever. And, uh, uh, honestly, when I got the call and then of course I get a call four or five days later that, uh, that Andrea passed. So, yeah. um, and again, I said this on the H- HBO, I didn't want that to happen to my friend who I love dearly. So, uh, I wanted to be right by his side. And, yeah. uh, um, uh, they said, "Well, at least you know he didn't—he didn't die." In, he died in, in France, and his family were there to come and be yeah. with him. So he didn't really die alone. But I wanted to be there with him because yeah. uh, all the all the stuff we had gone through together. So,
0: yeah. well, I tell you, it's, and that's that's really what stayed with me in, in that documentary when you said that at the end that you just wish you would have been there with him. And it just shows uh, that. It had nothing to do with business. It had nothing to do with uh, anything else besides you just loving that man, you know. And and uh, yeah, really, it. it
1: I yeah. mean, we we loved each other, looked yeah. out for each other. Believe me, people thought I was taking care of him. He was taking care of me. Half the time. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah.
0: So. Well, what a career! And uh, I, I hope someday maybe you'll put it down. Did you ever just uh, think about? Uh,
1: Well, you know what, I've been asked a million times now. And uh, because of all the guys I've traveled with and met and the people I've gotten and the matches and all. And um, not to be a smart ass, but I say, you know, you have to, you have to read a book before you can write a book.
0: yeah you're a smart ass That's good.
1: <laughs> so that just <laughs> lets me up <off>. but uh <laughs> but uh, you know what someday if i and when I sit down and think, but I'm sitting in my office here and I'm looking at pictures yeah. from all around the world, and yeah. uh what man, I'll tell you what I am the luckiest son of a bitch that ever walked the face of the earth. I have a great family. the uh job I've had for thirty six years it couldn't be better. What I'm doing now just to keep busy is fantastic. I'm with uh, these new uh, guys that I I used to referee their grandfathers and their fathers, and Mm -hmm. I know everyone. I love getting out there, and it's not the 300-plus-day-a-year grind. It's just the three or four days a month, and it's perfect. Really, Sean, I don't know how, you know, again, just right place, right time. And then I saw something huge was happening, and I and I stayed on. And um, what a great decision! Believe yeah. me.
0: Well, I uh, know you had the friendly tap. Uh, it's still in existence, right? You just uh, sold it to someone. Yes, other I sold and it, was...
1: and and believe me, uh, the new owners are—they're uh, off the chart. They're absolutely great. And every time I go home, which I'll be heading shortly, I go. And uh, and of course, all the uh, patrons that are uh, still there that uh, when I owned it said, Boy, you are a lazy bastard as an owner <laughs> because the place never looked better. <laughs> I said, Well, you drinks with drinking here, then you're still there. So I didn't spend any money on you guys. He did. So anyway, that's great. Yeah, we loved it. You know, Vince was kind enough to put the friendly tap on our Monday Night Raw four or five times. Andre and Arnie and I would always go there whenever we were in Boston or Providence or close by. And, uh, they would, well, you know, the greatest people in the world and it's in that little town of Cumberland and talk about, uh, you know, it's named the friendly tap. There was two fights there in the 25 years I owned it <laughs> and I started them both. So there you go. <laughs> that tells you something.
0: Well, I hope if I'm ever <laughs> back there in Cumberland, we can meet up there. We'll talk, uh, the days with the WWF and we'll, we'll share a few baseball stories. I have a lot of great stories you'd love to hear. Uh,
1: You know what, Sean, that'd be an absolute pleasure because I think the world of you, I did. And when you first called me, uh, I, you know, I said, that, that'd be great because, uh, yeah, you've gone on, you've moved on. I, you know, I'd be down in New York and see you anchoring the news and doing stuff Life keeps moving, and I'm sure you've made all the right decisions, but you were terrific to work with, and you're a great guy.
0: Yeah, and we, we did have some fun, and that uh, was, stands to this day as uh, one of the greatest periods of my life, and uh, so many. No, nowhere else was it ever more interesting, that's for sure. But, Tim, thank you for being a part of so many great moments in the ring and, and uh, you know, sharing some great stories and insight into one of the greatest personalities in sports entertainment, Andre. And um, great catching up with you, man. Tim, thank you so much for coming on Primetime.
1: Same, same here, Sean. Uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, we will see each other down the road, as they say.
0: All right, my friend. Take care.
1: Take care, Sean.
0: I really enjoyed that conversation with Tim White. Uh, I have to tell you, back, back in the day, back when I uh, saw him a lot, uh, he was one of the, the greatest guys to be around. And there's a reason why Andre the Giant trusted him and kept him around for so long and why they ended up being uh, such close friends. And really, what a tremendous individual, Tim White. Uh loved having him on. Uh, folks, before we wrap up this week, I want to throw something out there to you. You know, I always value your opinion. I want to hear uh, what you're thinking uh, when it comes to the podcast. And um, as, as many of you know by now, I'm sure you listen to other podcasts, a lot of these uh, posts are starting their own uh, Patreon memberships. And I understand why, because advertising continues to be an issue for podcasts. It is still the wild, wild west. And um, I wanted to find out if there's any interest out there uh, and me starting one for primetime with Sean Mooney. And if if we do it, uh, what would you like to have involved in in having that experience? What extra would you like to see? I mean, of course, you know we'll do things like release the podcast early to uh, members. But um, I'm I'm just uh, want to see what everybody thinks. So please email me at primetimemooney at gmail dot com and let me know. Uh, again, that's email me at primetimemooney at gmail.com also uh be sure to follow us on twitter and instagram that's at primetime mooney a big thanks once again to our sponsor dollar shave club clean up your bathroom and your morning routine join dollar shave club today and for just five dollars with free shipping you're going to get the six blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter body cleanser and one wipe charlie's then keep those blades coming for just a few bucks a month Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash primetime. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash primetime. And, of course, we want to thank ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, another great episode is planned for next week. Ken Shamrock is scheduled to join us. One of the greatest MMA UFC athletes ever. And, of course, great superstar with the WWE. And I am looking forward to that conversation. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, for another episode of Primetime with Sean Mooney. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.
2: The world of NLW Radio never stops.